Reform Guide, brought to you by Tabs The Lock. Activate to get Tabs' best starting price, guaranteed. TNC Supply, gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hey, they've always got the good oil. Today you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, welcome to Sky Sports Radio on, as always, this time of Monday's Experts. It's the opportunity for us, as Kevin just said in the intro, for us to find out a little bit about the story behind the name. My guest today is a lady that we're all familiar with here in racing in New South Wales. And for that fact, I reckon if you follow racing uh, during the weekend, on the weekends, you'll know the name Barbara Joseph. I'll be honest with you, a lot of the people that I've had on this program... I'd like to have a bit of a, you know, bit of a stalk, so to speak, uh, and you can do that via the internet these days. You can read stories about them and, and the course of their life. Well, I, as I said, to be honest with you, every story that I've written, uh, not written, but read about Barb in the last 48 hours, three days, I've all found out something new. So we, the half an hour of the 35 minutes might not give Barbara Joseph any justice here because we could talk for hours. Barb, welcome to Sky Sports Radio and welcome to Monday's Experts. Uh, good morning, Dave. Yeah, really looking forward to this chat. It, this is good. We can, uh, as I said, every time I read something about you, I'm learning something different about you. Um, I want to go right back to the start, though. So t- correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Um, you grew up in a massive family on a farm outside Bombala, and your five younger brothers were all shearers. Is that right? Yes, there was ten of us. Five boys and five girls, yes, and all the boys were shearers. All the boys were shearers. And what was it like growing up in Bombala in those early days? Oh, look, it was tough, mate. It was back, you know, I was only born in 45, so we did it pretty hard. Um, our father and all them were shearers as well, you know, but look, it was hard, but we, we had a lot of fun as kids growing up. Learned to ride the horses with, from my sister Delma. She was a great help to me and, and you know, it hard. 14, I went to town and lived with my auntie. Um, and I, I was riding horses before that, of course, show horses and doing that. Then I went there and started riding track work for an old gentleman called um, oh, Charlie Elton. And uh, he was a great conditioner of horses and he taught me a lot. Yeah, so I sort of rode track work till I was 20. Yeah. Okay. So the so the horses had always been around around the property. So that's where you you got to know them. But again, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you worked at the news agencies. You were waitressing at the hotel. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you what? I've just done a little bit of reading here and there. So so at what point did you start training? When did you try and get the trainer's license? Well. Probably I got married and had three children after that. And then I, I was a butcher for 12 years. So my husband was a butcher in those days and we brought the butcher shop and, and there was a fellow walked in. Uh, he was a timber worker around Bombala and uh, he walked in and said he had this horse down in Barnsdale that he could get. He was 10-year-old, the horse. Mm-hmm. And um, anyhow, we we got him up. We bought him for $600 and got him up there so... I went to the out to the Bombala races were on. I went out to the stewards and asked her to get a license. You know, they wanted to train a horse. And I, they said, have you got a stable? I said, no, but I'll build one. And they said, uh, <laughs> when's your horse come? When, you got your horse? I said, no, it's coming next week. And yeah, in the end, I stopped talking that steward into giving me a license. So then I got the trainer's license and the horse arrived. So 
um, the story that, that street, go on. Yep. Well, that that horse was called Howard Park, wasn't it? Howard Park, yeah. Yep. And and you won 17 races between the age of 10 and 13 with it. Yes, I did. Yes, I so, did. And I won um, I, I won the flying on Black Opal Day at Canberra. Yeah. I remember ringing up Malcolm Johnson to ride. That was in his heyday. And he said, oh, no, I'm not riding a horse that's old, you know. I'll ride something <laughs> else. So anyhow, I'm just trying to think who I put on. Um, anyhow, the horse got up and beat. Bloody Malcolm Johnson on, on Nugget Weekly's horse, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> I hope you give it the miracle after the race. Oh, I might have been giving it to him ever since. <laughs> <laughs> but what was it like back then? I mean, I had a chat recently with Pam O'Neill. Uh, from Queensland, uh, obviously, you know, Pam's got a brilliant story about, you know, um, the boundaries that she had to uh, cross oh. to to get, you know, recognised in her profession of being a jockey. What was it like for you starting off? Um, oh, you know, was there that was there that pushback? Oh, look, it was hard. You know, there wasn't meant very many women trainers. You know, the you know the older cockies and fellows around didn't like giving their horses to a woman to train. But after they seen the, that I started to get winners, and then then I started getting all these second-hand horses that you know, like Archie Turner, different trainers, Robbie O'Sullivan, they're both passed now. Trainers like that in Canberra, you know, and got them up here and took them back that way and started winning races with them. Then sort of, yeah. So for the first eight or nine years, I I just trained um, second-hand horses. And yeah. so tell us tell us about building the stables before we get to the Doncaster and, and later on. So you've you've yeah. got the horse, he's winning. You're yeah. still at the butcher shop at the time? Yeah, still working at the butcher shop, yes. I was working at the butcher shop and daddy riding horses and rearing three kids and I had five stables up the backyard and they kicked me out of that in Bombala and I bought a place thirteen or thirty three acres up where I still am now and uh, built stables here. Yeah. So well, what then, do you think then it's expanded? Mm. What did what did you what did you what was it about when you had this horse uh, Horwitz Park and and what was Horwitz it about Park. you yeah Hor- Horwitz Park what was it about the training caper was it uh, you you had an eye for a horse from what you'd grown up with how did you just did you take like it to a duck in water oh uh, look I think I did I think old Charlie Alton did a lot you know in those days you you never got a horse out of a trot for the first six or seven weeks you know you trotted up hills you worked you worked you know and you fed plenty of oats plenty of corn you know. And then you got to your, your cantering and doing your three-quarter pace. But he really taught me how to condition a horse, you know, and, 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 and that sort of thing, you know. But, um, yeah, it goes a long way, like with track work and things. But that's when I sort of uh, got going, yeah. Yes, that's how I started off my career. But, no, I had no one else to teach me. It was all done by this old gentleman and a couple of other old trainers around Bombala. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Mm. Mate, um, all right, what about in regards to the the way in which you know the, the horse started they started to come in so was it was well, it in fact that uh, did you get a lot straight away or did you have to build up slowly how did it, how did that all uh, transpire I build up slowly and you know and then I got a young fella from Victoria come up to help me ride work Darrell Ogilvy he came up here and uh, but the, the big break for me was you know I, I met these people down in uh, the Smiths down in Marimbula and, and a few other people in Marimbula and, and we raked up $10,000 to go to the yearly trail. So uh, that was the, the start of all this, yes. Uh, that's um, when my name came out because we went to the sales and I was like a kid at a candy shop. I'd never been to the bloody yearly sales, you know. And all I could see was these horses walking around, everybody pulling them out, doing this, doing that. And I thought, oh, my God, what are they, you know, what am I going to do here? I've got 10000 to spend. 
Anyhow, I sat on those steps at the old Inglis's complex and, and just watched them walk around that parade ring, you know. I watched them all day and picked me out horses and athletic horses and ones that I liked. And and um, and then Marindia LeMay came in there, you know. He was the last of the Tarjossies. And yeah. he was walking around and he was a bit thick in the coat, you know. And Bart Cummins had just bought one for 300 or something before that. And he came into the ring and they... Couldn't get much of a bid, and I, I bid, and I bid five thousand, up to five thousand, and I, and I got him. I was that excited to get this horse because he was just beautiful. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah. that's the start of that. Yeah. And, and what was it like? At what point did you, with this horse that obviously won the Doncaster, um, and what point did you think, right, we've got a, we've got a horse here that that can go to this level? Well, look, to start off with, when we were breaking him in, I thought, God, what have I got here? He used to stumble, and he was still a cold, of course. And anyhow, the fellow, one of the local fellow, he broke him in, and, and we got him going. And then at the time it was on, there was a drought, and they had all the black cattle on the road. And, yeah. uh, and, and the cattle along the road and all that sort of thing. And, and uh, I... Um, uh, <laughs> That's all right. Is that the landline? I haven't seen, I haven't heard a landline for ages. You there, Bob? Well, she might have had to answer the phone. Might be some late mail. The the old broadcast. We'll try and hopefully hopefully Barb appears again very very soon. We're chatting with Barbara Joseph here on Monday's Experts, and as I said at the start, what what a story uh, in regards to Barbara. We might we've just lost Barb. Actually, we've just lost connection with her. The house phone was going off, and she had to go and quickly grab the house phone. So, and I can't see Boydo here, so this is going to be some brilliant padding from Dave Stanley in the next minute or so. Um, Barbara Joseph, just to get, recap some of the story. So Barbara grew up in Bombala, uh, 10 children. Uh, all of her uh, brothers are shearers. Uh, wasn't a horse, you know born into the, the horse racing game. There were horses on the property, but uh, started off, uh, obviously, there in Bombala, worked in the news agents, was waitressing at the hotel, married her first husband, Gary, who was the butcher, and she had the three children under four, and they worked in the butcher, her and Gary. They were the local butchers there in Bombala. And then a gentleman came in to the, uh, the butcher, and he had a, you know, said he had this horse, Howard Park, and up went her hand straight away, Barbara, to, uh, to train the horse. Didn't have a set of stables. Went out to the chief steward there at Pombala and said, uh, can I get a licence and train? They said, have you got stables? Have you got a horse? No, the horse is coming next week. And uh, away we go. Now, I think we've got uh, Barbara back. Yeah, I'm back. On I don't know what the No, that's all right. The, who was on the house phone? They owe you a carton now. No, I don't know. It was probably some bugger trying to sell something. Trying to sell something. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, we were talking about the Doncaster. So you said he was uh, no good at the start when you were breaking this horse in. Yep. And, um, and I talk about, of course, your Doncaster winner, um, yep. which you, now you you picked up from the sales, didn't you? Marimba LeBay. Yeah, the first yielding sales I went to, yes. Yeah. yeah. Picked him up for, for the uh, $5,000, yeah. Unbelievable. So $5,000, he gets locked in. Uh, at what point... So we were up to the part where you, know, you were breaking yeah. him in, he was no good, but then I sort of wanted to know when the penny dropped with him. When did you go, right, oh, we've, got a, we've got a started, horse here? The penny started to drop the first, first time we sort of built him up and got to the track and done a few gallops with him. We knew we had, we had something there then, you know. He was very, very tough here. So he went to Canberra, I think, and 
run third in the Black Opal preview and run fifth in the Black Opal. Then I took him to Sydney on a Wednesday and Jimmy Cassidy rode him and he won there and then he went on and, yeah, yeah. And then he went on from that to win the Fernhill. And the rest is history. The rest is history. The Fernhill then come back and won the San Domenico over a thousand metres. So you've got this horse and you're going along, and obviously that would have been attracting, you know, plenty of eyes and attention would have been on you then. Oh, yeah, plenty, plenty. And I had Bart coming, he coming off, it'd be 750000 for him after we'd won the, the uh, upper, the, uh, yeah, the San Domenico. And there were yeah. 10 of us or 12 of us or heaps of in the syndicate. We were all having too much fun, mate, going to Sydney and winning <laughs> these races and partying. And, yeah, you know, we, we made a lot of friends, but it was great. Mm. What um, what was it like, you know, having blokes like Bart, etc. You know, you had you had the eyes of the world, the racing world, on you. Then at that point, did it sit well there? Were you lapping it up? Oh yeah, we were lapping up. We were Peter and I were putting this horse. This, yeah, this, uh, this well, when I got to the Doncaster, I'd been divorced and married Peter by then. But we were telling yeah. the horse to Sydney from Bombala, you know, two horse bloke. And we had Zoe was about six weeks old when I won the. Um, the Fern Hill, so he was still getting breastfed, and we'd get up there, and Beverly and Karen and 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 Bly and all my friends, they'd take the baby and look after it, and I'd look after the horse. So anyway, yeah, we had a great time. Yeah, so he won the <laughs> Fern Hill, and then went back and come back and won the San Domenico. But I think the best part was that then we went up, and Normie Collins, he was a great help. So Normie Collins, you know, out of Warwick Barn, him and Vicky, we stayed there with the horse and. I think one of the best days we had, we went took the horse up to the first prime TV race at, at Tamworth. They had on, it was a $100,000 race. We took two horses up and uh, Johnny Marshall rode them. And Marimula LeMay won that race. And, and then and the other horse I had with the C1 as well, I can't think of his name at the moment. But after that, we having a bit of a party at, at one of the motels. There's about 40 or 50 of us went up there and, the waitress the night before, she was a bit dicky, you know, a bit cranky sort of a piece. And, and uh, my husband, Peter, and one of his best mates, that buddy Donnie Myers, and, you know, she was walking past, and I gave her a bit of a bump, and she fell in the swimming pool. So uh, the party soon come to an end. There was people running everywhere and security guards, whatever it is. But, so that was one of, one of our big parties. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can party. I've seen you in action in Mudgee. So the, I'll tell you what, um, you and the boys can, you know, you know, you know where a good time is. Well, we know we follow the right people. That's why. That's how you catch a good time. <laughs> What's it been like, obviously, training now with your sons? I mean, that must give you great pride, especially being someone who, you know, family's quite important for you. You've come from a big family, and you've come from a family that's also a family situation where you've had to work hard, and you you saw your parents working very hard for for you and, and themselves. Yeah. Now to have your sons there involved with you, that must you must get a real kick out of that. Oh look, I get a, I get a great kick out of it. You know, I mean, to, when they well they went off and played football, done the apprenticeships, and were pulled with electrician and Matt had done things, and they played for the Raiders, and they left home young from Bombala and went down there, you know, and had got their own lives and got married and whatever. Yeah. Look, and that they always had the love of the horse because they worked hard at the stables when they were kids, and and they used to come down there when I opened the stables in Canberra. But, no, they've been great workers. I'm very proud of the two boys and, and their wives and the families, and, and they're, they're trying hard. They're working very hard, and it's great to have something to pass on to them. 
Certainly is, mate. What about yourself? I've got a little, uh, couple of little spies down there. They still tell me you jump on the ponies. I've got some video <laughs> footage of it too. <laughs> Not the other day after the race. Yeah. I just rode the clerk at the course was hard because I just said to Grand Bob and I said, I'll put me on that horse. I'll ride back over the stables. Anyhow, they all got shot when I rode across and rode up the right up the middle of the stables with my dress on. That was only Melbourne Cup Day. Yeah. Oh, I've, well, I've got the video footage. I don't worry. I won't. We won't pass it all over the internet. But I mean, do you, do you feel? Do you find that uh, now? You know, it just all—it's like riding a bike, driving a car, isn't it? Yeah, you never forget. Yeah, never forget. And you just see them, and you just feel like you want to get on. So that's why I just got on that ride. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What What about country racing? Can you believe that there's a race worth a million dollars at the moment? Well, a couple of races worth a million dollars for country trained horses in New South Wales? No, I can't believe it. I, I cannot believe the, the money that's going into racing. And 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 it's getting harder and harder to win. But one of my little thing quirks is, I, you know, I just, like, we're in the AFCRA where we are, like Nara and Goulburn, you might as well forget our country horses going there because they're like two provincial meetings, you know. It's all Sydney horses. So it doesn't leave very much for us to go to. I'd love a couple of more meetings on down the Sapphire Coast and Maruya, you know, so that we've got that. Otherwise, we go out Loggerway. I just think if they put the prize money up on midweek and uh, provincials, uh, maybe some of them provincial horses are still running around with six or eight horses in them. They might all stay there. Yeah. That's one of my quirks, yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's funny, though, too, like, you know, and I, I heard, uh, I was chatting with a gentleman about this on the weekend, is that, you know, once upon a time, these country horses or these horses from town, they may have been shipped interstate somewhere, but now owners are, are recognising that, well, if you can't win in town, you've got the second chance draw, the second bite of the cherry, and yeah. you've got some very laws. One that springs to mind, I know Max Whitby, he's got horses with you, and, and he's he's got those horses that... He may have, you know, he may have sent them to to town to try and win races, but he, they've ended up with you, and you're yeah. then, you know, getting that return for him. Mm. Well, mostly the ones that I've got with Max that with Max and I have bought, you know, or something like that. So, yep. uh, but no, he's he's a great supporter. Him and Ryan Rudder and and of quite a few of them up there. And there's, there's Kennedy out there, Mudgy there in it. Remember the one I sold there last? He tried to get you to go in that. Um, so super helpful. It ran third the other day. First. Day. I know. Yeah, but you slip, you slipped up there, Barb, because see, I was with the better half, the bro, you know Georgia, who you met, my partner. Yeah, and I'm getting. Could have, bought, I'm, a, could have bought a present for Christmas for a birthday. Something. I know, I know, but I'm getting married in March, mate. And as you know, it's uh, the 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 finances. It's mate, it's like living with the accountant. Like I'm living with the tax department at the moment. They're going through everything <laughs> with a fine tooth comb. I, yeah. I can't even. I can't even go and sneak the old toasted sandwich. I've got to get rid of the wrappers before I get home. Throw them out of the car. Oh right, Sne- right. <laughs> well, that, that's no good. But, um... but but you're right. You know, and that's how uh, you know you you had that horse uh, so helpful. How much did you pick him up for? Oh, fifty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you buy no, him no, for fifty. Sorry, that one. No, only yeah. yeah no, it might have been only twenty or thirty thousand. I think that yeah. one. Yeah. But then yeah. you get a whole heap of people in, and then that's mm. what you're all about. You what you like racing with the a lot yeah, of owners, I, don't you? Look, I, I don't. We don't make much money. I'm in it for the fun and for the owners, and, and we're probably one of the stables that do most for our owners. Like we have our race day in Canberra, we have a marquee over at Wagga, we have our big thing down at the Sapphire Coast, the Bega Cup meeting, and we're always out trying to get more owners and, and have a lot of fun for not much money, you know. 
So, uh, you know, we've got a few horses to sell, but it's, it's very hard these days because of all these other big syndicates where you're buying a bloody hair for a horse for 15 owners and 2,000 owners, you know. They're taking all our little bread and butter owners that used to have 5% or 2%, you know. But anyhow, yeah. we'll keep fighting on. Exactly right. You certainly will. You've got a big weekend coming up or a big week too with Gundagai. You, you love the Snake Gully Cup. Oh, I do love the Snake Gully Cup meeting. It's great. It is a great meeting, yes. It's, uh, just hope the rain stays away. But um, no, we have a lot of fun over there. And then from that carnival, we go on to the Mudgy one. Yes. You certainly do. How many are you going to take the Gundagai? Uh, I think we'll probably end up with about eight or ten, I think, going, yeah. We get runs, yes. Yeah, okay. Mm. And then and we look to take those same sort of horses up to Mudgee or will you sort of take a few home well, and then... We'll, yeah, we'll be taking the same sort of ones, the better ones, whatever we can find out of them, yes, for sure. Yeah. Mm. What's the one race... You, I mean, you've been right at the top of our sport with winning a Group 1. What's yeah, the one the race that, that you that you want to win? Oh, well, I'd love to... Would have, I've had a runner in the Caulfield Melbourne Cup and, you know, with ain't seen nothing and different ones like that, but my dream always would have been to the Cox Plate, but of course I'll never have the horse to do that. But you know, it doesn't matter these days. Just go and win one in Sydney on a Saturday, be fine. <laughs> Hundred and thirty thousand. <laughs> this Kosciuszko would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, the Kosciuszko would be nice, but um, yes, you know, and and, and for, for Canberra to get back into into the highways would be nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah we won't we won't tread on that subject. No, that's all right. Well, yeah, it's just you know, it's. I know I don't want to bring it up, but it, it. I don't know how you guys do it at the moment with that insurance cost, etc. And we've spoken about that before. It's amazing oh. how just that government doesn't really want a bar of racing, but then they're, they're no, the quite happy to put their hand out to get the cash. Yeah, the Greenies will got no chance. I mean, they'd stamp it out if they could. I think Mr. Belandis might have to build a race track and get rid of Queen and build a nice race track there about Hall, and then that is. Everybody could service that there. From there, it'd be good, good to have one mid, yeah. mid Canberra. Mm. Uh, Barbara, yeah. with with um, training with your son, do you find it sometimes you hear the old adage of you know when when you're working with your family, you can be a lot more harder on your family. You know, you're, those around that you love. Is it is it easy to work with the boys, or do you get stuck into them? Oh no, no, it's not easy. I can assure you, <laughs> it's not, you know, but. They come around after a while, you know. But they, you know, I've got to let them have a free reign these days and, and do what they yeah. can. And, and then, then what? I, what I'm um, very proud of my grandson Zane. He's working up at Arrowfield. And he's in that course, you know, that they're doing now. I think they're wonderful. Those courses they're putting on for kids and people and teaching to how to go to the tracks and you That's know and work at Arrowfield. So yeah. Zane's been working. He's going really well. He worked for Gary Chris for, for years, you know, doing all the sports stuff and uh, the ratings, you know, for company racing. He did all that. Then he left and went to the, that court, this course last in January. And then he ended up at Chris Waller's and they he got on very well there. Now he's gone to Arrowfield with John Massari, you know, and uh, I think this is great to get young kids and people into the industry. I wish something like this had been around when I was young. Um, unbelievable. Who would have thought too? Well, there you go. So there's, there's another generation of the Joseph family that's going to be in this game and you never know what's down the track for, for other grandkids you've got and their kids as well. But who would have thought this all starts from you in the butcher shop, there, the bloke coming in saying, I've got this horse and you having the, you know, the idea, the determination and the thought to go, yeah, righto, I'll do it. Oh, mate, those years were hard bloody work, those driving and 
horses and back towards the Canberra Cooma and all the race meetings and, you know, I'm bringing three kids. It was hard work. But, you know, I look back now and think, see, I wasn't much of a mother, but thank God for my daughter, Angela. She was older, older than the boys, but she, she knew how to get them dressed for school and get them off, pack their lunches. But, yeah, it was hard work. But I think one of the best thing was when I moved to Canberra, I moved to Canberra in 94. I had eight horses up here that were good enough to win in Sydney. So I went down there and opened up stables in Canberra in 94 with 10 boxes. By mm. two years, I had 40 horses and 40 boxes there. Um, so the business grew really quick after that. Like I had horses like Sierra Leaf and another one, Hustle. It was, it was a good story. I bought that one off Hawksby when he was working for the Inghams. And, uh, um, and it had 14 starts as a two-year-old, mind you. And it had one at Temple Newcastle. And I bought it up in for 20000 or 25000 or something. Brought it back to, Bombay, uh, to Canberra there and got it going, got it going in here. Went straight back to Sydney with it, and at, and at one, I don't know what, must have thought it lost its leg anyhow, it won at 100 to 1. And Jack Ingham, come, Jack Ingham come and said, he said, I knew, Barbara, you'd do something like that, so about 100 each way. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, stories like that. Look, I've got to tell you one story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake, yeah. I'm very close to Gay Waterhouse. She's a, she's a wonderful woman and great for racing, but... I don't know whether she wants me to tell this story, but I am. Back when Belonged to Many. Remember Belonged to Many, the Shelley Hancock yes, horses? Yes, And Shelley's been a great person for me. She's had a lot of horses and a great, been with us for years and years. And anyhow, she had that Belonged to Many. Well, we got it going and it won a couple of group races. And, and I think it shared Horse of the Year with Hot Danish or the Autumn Horse of the Year with Hot Danish, I think, at one mm. stage. And then it was sold after it won second in a group race to Hot Danish, I think. And um, they bought it. They paid, you know, 400 1000 for one of the clients. Anyhow, two weeks after that, the the horse went to the, to the um, uh, silk stocking at the Gold Coast. And I sort of told the few tricks with the horse what to do and not to do, yeah. Anyhow, the horse won the silk stocking. And uh, uh, so about three weeks later, I get this beautiful letter in the mail and a uh, from Gay and said, Barbara, you've done all the work with this horse. I'm sending you to the, she sent the $10,000 to me. I, I cried. I cried. I couldn't believe it. No one had, you know, ever done that sort of thing. There's been other trainers I wouldn't have been lucky to get a glass of champagne. So, anyway, she gave me that and I said, well, we were building our beautiful home in Marimula at the time and I bought this lovely white leather lounge and now I call it my Gay Lounge. <laughs> That's bloody brilliant, mate. Oh, mate, it was. It was just wonderful. What she does for people and gives to people, she's a wonderful woman. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so no one ever says anything to me about gay because I'm 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 right on her side. You're on you're on the attack. You are very you're very. I've only met you a couple of times, but that night at Mudgee when we met, you're a very loyal person. Just the way you speak, uh, and I think that shines through in that this last little chat that we've had. I can't wait to see you in Mudgee again. We'll have to get you on. I hope you take a big team up because uh, I think Max and everything. We've all been locked up. See, it's our, it's our yeah, escape. We can we can get we can get out and party. I don't think Max can come because Angela put the Christmas party on that day. Oh, he's not very happy. <laughs> He's not happy at all. Barbara, good luck to and Gunda Guy as well and to your sons as well and to all your family. Uh, what a story. And, yeah, and as I'd I said, just like to thank a lot of my loyal older owners that are yeah. listening today because they've stayed with me for years and years and 
you know, it's been hard to, for even with this COVID and all this, you know, but we'll be back on track and have all our parties again. Yeah, I tell you what, if ever you need someone to come to one of these owners' parties, I can just be a ring-in, rent a crowd, I'm happy to come. You never know, I might get you to be a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Joseph, thanks for spending some time with me this morning. Thank you. Okay, bye. What a great chat. Barbara Joseph there, a uh, legend trainer. And if you see Barb at the race, if you're at Gundagai, say good day. Say you heard her on Monday's experts. She'll be there at Gundagai for the Snake Gully Cup. There were hundreds of other stories we could have spoken about. So we didn't have enough time. Uh, but that was, you know, as I said at the start, every time I would read something different about Barb, there'd be a new story. There'd be something new and she gave us a little gem there with Gay. Uh, that's extraordinary stuff. It is 11.33. The Whip Around is coming up next on Sky Sports Radio.